Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 340 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Happy New Year. Super excited to be talking to you right now. And first and foremost, just want to say thank you for another incredible year here at the Essential Tennis Podcast. This has always been one of my absolute favorite things to do on the website. It's the original piece of content that I started back in 2008. I'm so blessed to be doing it now for over 11 years. So thank you for listening, especially all of you who have been longtime listeners. Today's episode is titled, Top 10 Ways to Make 2020 Your Best Tennis Year Ever. And this is a top 10 list, which are my top 10 things that I believe will make the biggest impact on your game if you take them to heart, if you put them into action. And this is actually a rebroadcast, which I've never done before on the Essential Tennis Podcast. But this content originally I uploaded two years ago, and I, I went back through these 10 things, and they're just, just as relevant now as they were two years ago. So rather than try to reinvent the wheel, I'm just going to go ahead and present these these same 10 things. Even if you happen to hear this two years ago, these are just as relevant now, and you need to be reminded of these things. I need to be reminded of these things again and again, because they're so incredibly important fundamentally to improving as a tennis player. So without further ado, let's jump right into number 10. And number one is being kind of my most important. I tried to order them and and order that way. So sit back, relax, and get ready for the top 10 things that you can do to make this year your best tennis year ever. Number 10 is give yourself freedom to experiment. I have experiments in quotation marks. What I mean by this is give yourself freedom to do something different. Give yourself permission to make a mistake out there. This is something that in my work with private students during 2017 has really been reinforced for me. Players have their habits, their comfort zones, their way of swinging the racket, moving their body that they're comfortable with, and getting them out of that rut is really, really hard. And so frequently, I use exaggerations and experiments. And I literally say before I have a student try something totally different, I say, listen, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the ball goes. It doesn't even matter if you hit the ball. All I want you to do is X, Y, or Z. Or I'll, I'll have them um, try to hit the ball in a certain way, and it's totally opposite of what they would normally be doing in an actual like point situation. For example, uh, our last student that we worked with, in an effort to show her how to control the angle of her racket face at contact, I asked her to hit several backhands in a row, which previously she was skying. I asked her to hit several backhands to hit the bottom of the net. Or, or I said, even better, have the ball bounce before it even gets to the net. So clearly, you know, the, the whole idea of trying to make the shot totally out the window. And I'm asking her to achieve something completely counterintuitive to what she would ever, ever do by herself while trying to hit a, quote, good backhand shot. And this was within the context of, of a full, you know, long, high finish topspin swing. So very counterintuitive. 
And in my experience, tennis players and most coaches as well have a very hard time giving themselves the freedom to do something totally different than what they're used to. So especially when you're trying something new, give yourself more freedom to experiment and just not even hit the ball. Like who cares? Or hit the, hit the ball in the bottom of the net or bounce it before the net or over the back curtain or whatever. Do something new and different and experience and feel something different than what you're used to. So that's number 10. Give yourself freedom to experiment. Number nine, take shadow swings seriously. Shadow swings are a real tool and they are incredibly effective when done correctly. And the the top reminder that I've been giving our private students recently is to slow down and make their shadow swings purposeful. If you've watched our video footage of us transforming strokes of students in real time, then you've undoubtedly seen us use shadow swings and use them in sequence with real hits. Meaning, I'll ask a student, okay, make two shadow swings while focusing on whatever the changes that we're making. And then on the third swing, I'll drop a ball or somebody will toss a ball or somebody will feed a ball and then try to replicate that exact same movement, the new thing. And frequently, students will kind of get into a rut where they're like, okay, okay, so they, they make their repetition. I'm like, I say, okay, good, or maybe uh, remember to do this. And then, okay, start again, do the two shadow swings, and they'll start quickly. They'll start rushing through the shadow swings so they can get to the hits, which totally defeats the purpose of shadow swings. The purpose of shadow swings is to slowly, calmly, with a very heightened sense of awareness and kind of internal, it's, it's really kind of meditative, really focusing on whatever the new thing is. If you rush through that, or if all you're thinking about while you do the shadow swings, if you just kind of go through the motions and you're just thinking about hitting that next ball, then then yeah, it, it won't really do you any good and it'll be kind of a waste of time. Uh, take them seriously, take them slowly and execute them very mindfully and they can be an incredible tool to help you make technique improvements. So that's number nine, <clears throat> take shadow swings seriously. Number eight, log your practice sessions. This is actually something we haven't talked about in the last 24 months. Uh, something that we're starting to really focus on in Essential Tennis Academy, and that is to start recording what you do, right? We're starting to ask our students to record their practice sessions. This is for several reasons. A, to be accountable to us and to themselves and to our community as a whole by saying, hey, today I went out and I did this for this reason, for this purpose. This was the outcome that I was working towards. This is the big picture goal that this practice session is really working towards, you know, small in a small incremental step. And so being able to go back and look at that journal of improvement and being able to see notes about what drills really worked and and when I, when I well, worked on this progression, it really helped me break through on X, Y, or Z technique. Having that rec- uh, record available to go back and review and also hold yourself accountable is super, super powerful. So I highly recommend you start logging your practice sessions. It can be in a Google Doc or on a legal pad or in a binder or a little journal book or whatever. Doesn't matter. Just write it down someplace and ideally share it with somebody else so that you have some built-in accountability there. And and so also you can look back and be proud about the work that you've put in and review and see what's worked and, and what hasn't. 
Okay, so that's number eight. So log your practice sessions. Number seven, communicate candidly with your pro. This is a conversation I've been having more and more frequently uh, with our private students that fly out to Milwaukee to, to work with us, and also just generally in communication on Facebook or, or YouTube or uh, email. A lot of I've, I've had a lot of talks in the last year with players <clears throat> who are realizing that what their local pro is giving them is not what they need to get better for one reason or another, whatever it is, not placing any blame on anybody, but what they're getting just is not cutting it. It's not the focused attention that they need. Does not have the big picture mindset, the improvement mindset in place that's required to really make changes for an amateur athlete who doesn't just pick things up at the drop of a hat just because a coach asks them to do something in a certain way. Most of us do not fall into that category. So number seven on my list is me encouraging you to have those kind of awkward conversations with your pro. And it doesn't have to be awkward. Just keep in mind, you're the one paying for their time. If they won't do video and you know, you, you've made the suggestion and they, uh, they're unwilling to give you the kind of feedback, the kind of detailed analysis that you need, if they're unwilling to spend an hour on, on one stroke, another example I've heard repeatedly, if they're unwilling to break out of the, the rut that they're in to do something that's more effective for you, that you need to reach the, the level that you need to reach, then you need to have those conversations. And if necessary, you know, if, if you have the conversation and it's clear that nothing's going to change, then you need to be open and willing to find somebody else. And that's just the way it goes. And this, I think in tennis is especially awkward because there's strong, there's strong bonds and strong relationships and friendships, camaraderie that's built over the years between, uh, there's just a, a strong kind of family or community feel around tennis, especially at, at private clubs, uh, but even, even public or commercial clubs, uh, same thing. We have long-term relationships with these people and they, you know, they work hard and, but it, it's not always what we need. And I just want to encourage you to have the conversations needed. If they're not providing what you need, then you need to communicate about that. And then if necessary, go find somebody else who can give you what's required to reach the goals that you have. You need to find somebody who matches your level of passion for the improvement process. And it may not be the person you're working with, or maybe it is, but they just don't know what you're expecting. Uh, because if you're listening to my voice right now, uh, what you expect is probably totally different from the average tennis player. And, and so you need to be open and upfront about that. All right, so that's number seven. Communicate candidly with your pro. Number six on our list of top 10 ways to make 2018 your best tennis year ever is be more mindful about your motivation. This is a topic that's come up quite a bit in the last 12 months on the podcast and a topic that comes up over and over and over again for me with, with our coaching students. The way that I like to describe this is as a continuum or kind of a range or a, a span uh, on one far end, if you can imagine the far left end of the continuum, uh, on that side is somebody who's motivated by competition and winning and win-loss columns. And the far right end of the continuum 
is somebody who's highly, highly motivated by improvement and mastery and kind of self-development and technique changes and improvements. Most of us fall somewhere in, in between those two extremes. And my challenge for you in 2018 is to be more mindful and more honest with yourself about which one is more important to you. Because if you don't have good self-awareness about which you value more and where you're, you're, you're placing your fulfillment and your happiness in your tennis game, then it's impossible to map your actions to fit those outcomes that we value most. And I mean, just to be totally upfront, they're totally different ways of going about improving. If your win-loss column and winning more matches in 2018 than 2017 is your primary goal, and no matter what else happens, if you don't achieve that, then you're not going to be satisfied with 2018, then how you spend your time on, your, on the court will look totally, totally different than if you don't care about win-loss column and all you really uh, care about is developing refined, improved stroke mechanics. Th- those two things are at odds with each other. If you want to totally change and improve your forehand, your backhand, and your serve, then that is at odds with winning more matches this year than you won last year. There are two totally different things, and you need to know which of those two things you value most. Because if you don't know, or you're not aware enough, or you're not honest enough with yourself about it, then how you spend on your time, how you spend your time on the court may not at all make sense with what uh, your your happiness is uh, connected to. And as a result, you may end up just frustrating yourself over the next 12 months. So number six is be more mindful about your motivation. <clears throat> number five out of my top 10 ways to make 2018 your best tennis year ever is use progressions. Progressions just simply means a, uh, a series of drills that increase in difficulty level sequentially and in small incremental steps. That's what progressions are. And when you watch us work with students on YouTube or on Facebook, you see videos of us making big changes. The only way that it's possible is through the use of progressions. The more kinesthetically aware our students are, the less progressions we need to go from from, uh, start to finish. Uh, the less kinesthetically aware a student is, the more progressions we need, the more incremental stepping stones it requi- are required to go from point A to point B because a player isn't aware enough of how their body is moving and therefore can't feel the difference between the way they usually do it and the new movement that's, that's better and will give them better results. And so progressions are the stepping stones between levels of execution. If you don't use progressions, which majority of players do not, a majority of coaches do not, and instead you just say, okay, you, you know, get called up to the net. It's kind of the classic scenario. And a uh, coach says, okay, I need you to swing more low to high on your forehand. You're not making enough topspin. And so he or she may show you several demonstration swings and may stand next to you and, and move your, your body through the swing so that you can feel the difference. They may explain it really excellently uh, so that it really makes sense in your, your logical brain. Uh, maybe they spend five or 10 minutes really making sure you understand. And they say, okay, you got it? And you say, I got it. All right, let's do it. 
And then you go back to the baseline and they start feeding you more balls and you start hitting more shots. That process doesn't work unless the student is incredibly kinesthetically aware and can absorb all of the different inputs that he or she just just was uh, delivered and just do it, as Nike says, just execute. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny minority of amateur athletes in any sport. When it comes to a sport like tennis that's so nuanced and so technically complicated, uh, it requires stepping stones between understanding and execution. You can understand it in seven different ways, but that doesn't mean your body will just do it. In fact, it doesn't at all mean your body will just do it. Your body still needs to be trained regardless of how much your brain understands. And so, especially if you're self-leading yourself, self-leading yourself, especially if you're self-leading your own tennis improvement, you need to create stepping stones. You need to create progressions uh, to, to systematically move from where you are now to the next level of execution in all of your different shots that you're, you're working on. This is something that, again, this, for me, non-negotiable. If, if your coach or your pro is not using progressions and instead is just kind of piling on um, action uh, commands and just feeding you a ton of balls, and it's clear that the, the main priority is activity and action and repetition and just hitting the most balls possible, you're not going to make substantial changes that way. Uh, you may get better at doing it the way that you already do it, but you're not going to uh, dramatically change. You're not going to see a big visual difference between now and January 1st, 2019 if there aren't systematic stepping stones between where you are now and where you want to get to. Okay, that's number five. Four more to go. Number four on our top 10 list is focus on one thing at a time. This is very closely related to to number four. Not the same thing, but closely related. Uh, When you do work on making changes, it's critical that you focus on one specific, detailed, focused element at a time. And so if uh, your forehand is what you work on in a lesson and coach is just going around the, uh, the carousel ride of commands on your forehand, uh, rack it back early, uh, load high, uh, finish the swing, uh, snap your wrists, like whatever. If it's just command after command after command, especially if those commands are cycled, meaning command one, then two, then three, then four, then back to number one again, then two, then three, then four. It's madness, and there's not a, there's there aren't enough sequential repetitions repetitions on any one of those focus points to have any of them stick. And I refer I I refer to this, to this as instructional whack a mole. Uh, if you've ever been to like a Chuck E. Cheese's or State Fair or whatever, the whack a mole game where a little mole pops out of a hole, you try to hit it with the mallet, and then another one pops out of another hole. That's what this is, but, but instructionally and on a tennis court. And it will not lead to substantial improvements. As I talked about with progressions, it may lead to better execution of what you're already doing, but it will not lead to substantial uh, technical changes uh, because there's just too little focus on too many things spread too thin, 
too many irons in the fire, whatever analogy you want to use, and you none of them will actually become new habits. All right, down, down to our last three. Number three in our top 10 list is spend more time in purposeful practice. One of the very first questions that I ask are private students who invest a large amount a large amount to come work with us they they invest a large amount of time they invest a large amount of money to come see us and and work with f- now four pros on the court at the same time all working with with a single student uh, working through our improvement process one of the very first questions i ask those students is how do you split up your time in a typical week how many times a week do you do you go to a tennis court and how many of those uh, times on the court, let's say it's five times a week, out of those five, how many of them are matches? How many of those times on the court are lessons? And how many of them are purposeful practice? Meaning there's no input, there's no pressure to perform. That would be a lesson or a match or even just a fun, whatever, social social match. There's none of that happening. It's just focused, purposeful practice on learning and improving and working progressions, using shadow swings, doing everything else that we've talked about already in this episode. And for most players, there's not any purposeful practice happening. They're either taking lessons or they're playing matches. And depending on the quality of what the lessons are, there may not be a whole lot of actual improvement happening at all. Uh, again, there's there's refinements of movement patterns that are already taking place, but there's really not any changes. And changes are what's required to really make a uh, drastic improvement, substantial improvement, or even noticeable uh, improvement. There must be changes. And that doesn't happen unless there's purposeful, focused repetition uh, in a systematic way, ideally following progressions, following a process. And so uh, you need to take out the coach yelling stuff at you. You need to take out uh, a pr- even a practice partner who's expecting you to keep the ball in play so that you keep the rally going. You need to take out uh, certainly the competitive situation where there's people relying on you to, to perform at a certain level. You'll never make changes in that environment. So number three, spend more time in purposeful practice. All right, down to our final two. Number two on our top 10 list is learn to enjoy the process. And what I mean by process is basically everything that we've talked about on this top 10 list up until now. Purposeful practice, focusing on one thing at a time, having a narrow focus, using progressions, learning more about your motivation, logging your practice sessions, using shadow swings, giving yourself freedom to experiment. This is the learning process. If you're on the far right side of that spectrum I talked about earlier, and improvement is really valuable to you, much more so than winning matches, then you must learn to really buy into that the, the process that's required to make substantial changes and learn to really love the work, love the reps, love the experience of just being on the court, putting in the repetitions, Lo- learn to love that part of it. 
If the only way that you are satisfied or happy or fulfilled is when you beat Sally or you beat Jim on the court, then don't be surprised if you stay at the same level of execution because you'll always undermine, uh, you, you won't ever have the attention span to put in the work necessary to make changes. If winning is always the most important thing, getting out of your comfort zone isn't going to happen if winning is always the most important thing. Uh, if winning is the most important thing, then then buy in, you know, realize that about yourself, and and uh, that's totally fine. But realize that the process is different. Then it's all about um, sticking with what's familiar to you, and really optimizing for short term uh, quality of of play as opposed to long term development. Totally different thing. When I say learn to enjoy the process, honest, if I'm honest, what I'm really talking about is people on the right side of the spectrum. Uh, who who truly do value the long-term development more than the short-term wins. They're willing to make some short-term sacrifices. Just realize that there is a dichotomy there. And uh, you have to buy into that process and be okay with some short-term setbacks and learn to actually enjoy and love the parts that is necessary to make those long-term improvements. Which, which are all the little pieces that we've talked about up until this point. Okay, so that's number two, learn to enjoy the process. Number one, on the list of top 10 ways to make 2018 your best tennis year ever. And I really honestly, and this is not necessarily where I would rank uh, this item all time, but relative to January 1st, 2018, and the state of tennis instruction, the state of tennis learning, the state of where players are in the tennis world trying to improve their game. For me, this is number one, hands down. I've talked about it so much in 2017. The number one way to make 2018 your best tennis year ever is to use video. Please use video. If you've never done it, if you're serious about improving, you must do it. It's non-negotiable. If you have done it, but just once or twice, and you're like, "Oh wow, I look weird," um, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's not really for me. I'm not comfortable doing this. You need to put your ego aside. You need to understand how unbelievably critical of a learning tool video is. How unbelievably high your awareness level will become when you start doing it on a regular basis, not just once or twice. You can say you've done it and say, oh yeah, yeah, and I did video. It was six months ago. Man, I I look funny. And you haven't looked at at yourself since then. You're missing the boat. The whole point of improvement, as I discussed a minute ago, is making changes. It's extremely difficult for your average amateur athlete to make changes if they don't even know what they're doing in the first place. And you will not know what you're truly doing without seeing it for yourself. So put your ego aside, please. As I mentioned in, uh, I believe, the last podcast, number 273, it's not a secret. Everybody else already knows what you look like. (laughs) All of your teammates know the truth already. All of your pros know the truth already. You're not fooling anybody but yourself. 
It's an unbelievably powerful tool. And the only thing keeping you from doing it in 2018, it's not 1995. Video is unbelievably easy. So please just, just do it. It's it's unbelievably valuable, unbelievably powerful. And if you're on the right side of that spectrum I was talking about before, video is priceless. All right, so there you go. There's your top 10 list. Again, uh, quickly in in, uh, order from 10 to 1, give yourself freedom to experiment. Take shadow swings seriously. Log your practice sessions. Communicate candidly with your pro. Be more mindful about your motivation. Use progressions. Focus on one thing at a time. Spend more time in purposeful practice. Learn to enjoy the process and use video. If you do any five of these things in 2018, you're going to have an incredible year. If you do all 10, if you somehow do all 10, which would be unbelievably uh, impressive, I promise you it'll be your best tennis year ever. And you'll look back on January 1st, 2019, and you'll be incredibly grateful. You'll be incredibly proud of yourself for the work that you put in. You'll know so much more about yourself, about your game, and you will have come such a long ways during that time. And I hope you do it. And I can't wait to hear your story if and when you do. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for kicking off 2018 with me. If you're listening to my voice, I appreciate you. Uh, 2018 is a special year for me. I'm sure I'll talk about this here and there throughout the year. But uh, I started publishing content in, in 2008. So this is uh, 2018, uh, 2018 marks a decade for me. It really all started with the podcast. That's really where I found some traction to begin with. So the podcast always has and always will just have a special place in my heart. So for those of you that have listened this whole time, thank you so much. I really appreciate you greatly. This is the first episode you've ever heard. I appreciate you too. And I hope that you subscribe and you make the Essential Tennis Podcast a regular part of your improvement journey. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.